as, as he was sharing this morning in his parsha, uh, I couldn't help but think of a, a precept study that Siri and I participated in several years ago, and, and words are important. And one of, the, one of the things that we would do would circle words that were consistently put in Scripture. And um, I went through my entire Bible, and I circled the word all, A-L-L. And there's something about that small three-letter word that is very powerful because it's not a portion, it's not a little bit, it's not some of it, it's all. And um, in his reading this morning, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. That, that just, you know, that encompasses all of it. And that took me to... Um, a scripture that I was looking at earlier, that's such a blessing. And, and this is for all of us. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Yeshua Messiah may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and how long and how high and deep is the love of Yeshua Messiah and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure that all of all the fullness of God now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church in Yeshua Messiah throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. So the word is so powerful. Words are powerful, but his word is the ultimate power. We're, we're really blessed to have Kent Brown in our congregation. And um, Kent is one of these guys, I think I've, I've shared this before when I introduced him the last time, is that he kind of stays over in the wings. He doesn't come out and toot his horn or uh, make a lot of uh, emphasis toward himself. And uh, he's such a blessing to this body. He teaches Hebrew. He gets here early on Shabbat and teaches Hebrew to, to many of us, to many of you. I, I was held back twice. Um, I'm still, still trying to get my arm around it, but... Kent and Julie been married uh, 30 years, is that right? 31. Have two kids, that hasn't changed, but you do have, I was reading his bio this morning and the last time we introduced him, he was getting ready to have a grandchild and now he has one. Uh, so what a blessing it is to have Kent. Kent, thank you for uh, sharing with us this morning. Thank you. Russ, thank you so much. And it was kind of funny because I, I called Aaron a couple weeks ago, and I said, I've been asked by Stu to talk, and, and, but on the same day, I got the Torah Parsha, and I got the Bahachanan. Do you want to switch it around? He says, well, why don't you pray about it, and then let me know. I'll, I'll take it over for you. For and I thought, prayed about it, and I was basically like, no, that's, that's okay. We'll do both. Because they kind of dwell together. Um, talked about earlier that the, you know, everybody, when you mention laws, they always think about the ten words. 
as I put Larry on the spot and asked him what he thought of the ten words. But the, uh, you know, you always think about those ten words, but, you know, the laws are throughout Scripture. And what I'm going to talk about tonight, if they're going to bring it up, is the laws that govern life. You know, there's whole kinds of law, and they apply to all of us, not just to believers. There's an awful lot of them that do. So, and it, it makes life predictable. You know, a lot of the laws in Scripture are inherent laws where there's automatically rewards or penalties if you do certain things. They just, you know, you do this, this is the result, and it makes life predictable. So go ahead with the next one. So let's say every time you get on your knees, and before I start, this is actually, I'm, uh, there's a person in the Bahamas, Kevin L.A. Ewing, that this, most of this talk is from. He's a preacher in the Bahamas, and I just love his teachings. And he goes, hands a radio show, and he puts it on YouTube, and it's a couple hours long. So this is only two, no, we're not going to go two hours. But... Um, this is a, you know, just a couple modifications for me, but it's really his, his teaching on it. But let's say every time you get on your knees and ask for someone's needs or ask for your needs, say, come on, God, please help me out, you know. You need to look at someone else, even if it's a pocket pencil to help that person with. Because what's going to happen as you go to the next slide is every time you have a need, in order for God to facilitate that need, he's going to send someone in your life that's going to ask you for something. And then however you respond to that person, depending on the circumstances, is oftentimes how God will respond to you. You know, you're sitting there and saying, God, please help me with this. Please help me with this. And God's going to say, okay. Send someone to you, and how can you help that person? And then I'll turn around, and I'll help you tremendously. But you need to help your fellow person that's come to you. You know, when it comes to the next one, you know, it talks about the seed is the word of God. Well, who does he give seed to? Does he give seed to the taker? He gives seed to the sower. So it can sow that seed. Give sow to, seed to the sower. And you know, that whole thing, you know, God will give you resources, but he knows you will use those resources and plant it in the life of other people. That's the reason he gives you resources. Yes, you have to take care of your own. You know, there's scriptural for that. But he wants you to plant your, what you've been given in the life of other people. You know, David with his dance, planting the dance in other people. There's so many else. You know, my, my wife at our work, when I was talking earlier about her, the very, you know, she's really good at 
numbers and procedures and putting, straightening things out, taking a mess and making them straight. Is she's, able, she's at a place of work now where there's a lot of young folks. I mean, all, she says they all look 20-somethings. They all look the same. You know, there's all these guys that all different shades, and, but they all look the same. You know, um, they're all 20-somethings. But he, she's planting in their lives, you know, what her very is as far as her able, you do things this way. This is the work ethic. This is how we get things done. And she comes home frustrated because there's a couple of them that she works really close with, and she's like, just didn't get done what they were supposed to get done. You know, and she's trying to tell them, you need to do this. You need not to spend so much time on this. She's teaching them how. She's bearing the fruit and teaching them how to do those things. Um, you know, this whole thing go ahead to the next one. One man gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. A generous man will prosper but he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. You know, that's a law, but it doesn't make sense in the natural. It thinks, if I'm generous, if I have 10 bucks and I give a dollar to Patricia, and then I keep giving another dollar to Patricia, well then I'm poor. But the spiritual law says a generous man will prosper. That one man gives freely, yet gains even more. You know, it's a spiritual law. And I'm participating in that law when I give to somebody else. And it's an inherent law. It's, you know, sometimes the people that are the richest are the ones that give the most. You know, they're always giving. Um, and not necessarily that. But God's obligated because of what it says here in Scripture, to keep giving you the resources in order to keep giving. Now, there's other qualifications for that, but sometimes we don't understand that. So, um, <laughs> let's, let's go on to the next one. Um, you know, it's more... It's more than just money. You know, it deals with wisdom, too, or your knowledge, skills, and abilities. And the more I that I have, if I release it to somebody else, the more that I'll get. The more I release what I have, the more that I'll get. You know, you're supposed to know them by your fruits, The apple tree doesn't eat apples. The mango tree doesn't eat mangoes. It's for other people. So whatever fruit I produce is for somebody else. It's not for me. And then I'm supposed to get Aaron's fruit or Russ's or Jason's fruit, whatever they've gleaned. You know, and it allows me to participate in that law. Go ahead, Mike. So that it can be a tree planted over streams of water. I'm going to go to Psalm 1. 
you know, go to the next one. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. That blessed is, in Hebrew, perfect tense. In English, would be past tense. He's already blessed. She's already blessed. So if they do these things, they're already blessed. If they walk not, don't take the counsel of the ungodly. If they don't stand in the way of sinners, if they don't prevent somebody from coming to Christ, I'm not preventing someone. I'm not saying something that stops them in their tracks from going to Christ. If I don't sit in the seat of the arrogant, of the scoffers, we all know scoffers, people who are so pride, proud, they know everything. Does it mean... You know, it just means exactly what it says. Don't do these things. And then he goes on. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. His delight is in there. If I meditate on his word day and night, there's going to be things that are going to change in my life. There's going to be changes. I'm an example of this. I just, it seems like every year it's even more. I want even more and I'm trying to get even more. Um, my joy is in this day and when we come together. My joy is in my prayer time. My joy is in able to say his word speak his word to address my situations. My joy is really in that. And then, if we meditate on his word, and he shall be like a tree planted by rivers of water. Not might, not maybe, not some of the time. If I meditate on his law, if I do those things at the beginning, blessed is he that walketh not in the counsel. If I do those things, then I'll be like a tree planted by rivers water, always getting resources, always having enough water. My leaf, I'll bring forth my fruit in my season. My leaf will not wither, and whatever I do, I will prosper. That's a law. You know, everybody talks about the laws. Well, we don't need to follow that one. Okay. Can you follow this one? This says you're guaranteed to prosper if you do these things. Your fruit will come in its season. Doesn't mean you have fruit all the time, but during your season, it will come. And my leaf will not wither. It will not wither. You know, people will know you by your fruit. They'll look at your lifestyle.
And when they see your fruit, they're going to ask, why is this happening? And because you meditate on the law day and night, why is this happening? How is he producing this fruit? And it just shows. Go ahead. With the wicked, it is not so. They are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. The righteous are able to stand. They shall not be moved. There's so many scriptures. And if you can't do anything else, just stand, as it says in Ephesians 6. Just stand. There is something about standing in which the wind driveth away is the contrast that God wants to point out. With the wicked, it is not so. They are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Just pick them up. Or just like when Yeshua told Peter, Satan has asked you to sift you like wheat. Toss you up. See what happens to you. But after you've been through the sifting, come back to me. Has that happened to you? Have you been sifted? You know, that's, with the wicked is not so. Go ahead to the next one. You know, therefore, the wicked, it's down towards the bottom of the page, therefore the wicked will not stand in, in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish, or some versions have leads to ruin. So the way, Jehovah knows your way, because what you're doing is meditating on his law. On his word, you're meditating on it. So he's going to know your way if you follow his way. It's kind of like, which comes first, chicken or the egg? But he know, Jehovah knows the way of the righteous. But the way of the wicked will perish. It also says this in the next screen. In Joshua 1.8 says, The book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe us to do according to all that is within written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Doesn't that sound almost exactly like Psalm 1? So Joshua's telling them just as soon as they're entering, the, getting ready to go in to the promised land, which I think is the same instruction for us as we get to go to the promised land. Joshua is the same name as Yeshua, Yehoshua. Meditate. The book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth and do according to all. You know, the laws give preset outcomes. If I do this, then this will happen. That's what we want to happen. But I like that you brought that up, Russ. I'm glad the Holy Spirit gave you that to, to say that regarding all. Because when you pray and you go, Lord, I've been meditating. Do this for me, you know. I'm in, a, I'm in a tight spot. I'm in a tight spot. Um, get me out of it. And 
you know, what may, one of the questions may come back is, have you done all? Well, I've been meditating on your book. Well, have you done all that is written therein? Have you been given to the needy? Have you been worshiping? Well, I've been worshiping on Shabbat. I've been paying the tithe. I've been doing all this. But the person next door to you that's hurting, that's in even worse shape than you, have you been helping them? Well, are you still holding unforgiveness towards your parents, your brother, your sister, your boss? They've done me wrong. Why can't I hold that unforgiveness? Why can't I hold that bitterness in my heart? I'm sorry, I'm skipping ahead. That was a point later, but getting on that. But you still have bitterness. You still have unforgiveness. You still have hate. You still have relations that aren't right. You're still lying. Well, it's just a small, it's just a little one. Let's read it again. It says, do according to all that is written therein. My word says, bless the enemy and do not persecute them, or do not curse them. Do you bless your enemies or do you curse them? This is one I've added into my nightly prayers, and I try to think each day, if there's someone in my life that I should bless instead of curse. And it's, it is hard. <laughs> I mean, there's some annoying, irritating uh, people that I have to deal with. But then I come across that and I say, it says in your word, Lord, Romans 12, 14, bless Bless those that persecute you. Bless and do not curse. And Father, because of your word, I bless blah, blah, blah. There's usually a pause because I'm trying to think of what. <laughs> I'm trying. But I, I'm trying to make myself think of what I can bless them with. And it helps that spirit of unforgiveness, that spirit of hatefulness, that spirit of bitterness, that spirit of gets reduced, gets bound, shove out of my heart. Because I take that verse, bless and do not curse, and say, okay, I'll take you at your word. I will do that. And it forces me to do something else. And so... Hopefully, I'm getting better at that. And he's not asking me that question. Do you still curse your enemies? Because, man, that's a hard one. I just, not that you curse, curse, you know, but anything you say negative is a curse. So, go to the, go to the next. My child, pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. Don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your heart. Let them penetrate deep into your heart. 
for they bring life to those who find them and healing to your whole body. So if God's words get inside your container, when he's saying your heart, get inside your container, they'll bring life to your body and health to all your flesh. I love that version because all your flesh, because I'm dealing with healing issues and stuff, and it's like, bring healing to my whole body, or healing to all my flesh. Get the word inside you. And that's why I've become more cognizant of saying the word out loud. Even if I'm by myself, well, actually, most of the time I'm by myself, nobody wants to sit around and listen to me say scripture. But, um, you know, I'll read chapters out loud. Just do that every single day. And this should be the result. Because I'm listening. I'm hearing the word of God and hearing. Yeah. Faith comes by hearing. Well, faith comes by hearing. I can't just read it. I got to say it. I got to say it out loud. The last verse, the next verse of that, and I don't think I have it. Yeah, I do. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Another version has that, keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. And keep that heart with all diligence, out of it are the issues of life. It's almost like whatever's in your heart, God plays your life out on the situations in your life. So whatever's in your heart, it plays out as if it's, okay, that's what's inside you. I'm going to make Patricia come up to you and give you a situation that kind of describes what's going on in your heart. So that that starts giving me a different picture. Okay. Whatever's happening out here is what I got inside. You know, the problems today started with someone started in the heart of someone. Someone's heart, someone's wicked heart, evil heart, indifferent heart, whatever. That's what's playing out outside. So how do we put on a lid of our lying, deceitful, lustful heart? Get the word into it. You know, this isn't about salvation. It's about sanctification, about cleaning up our heart, cleaning the container within us, battling, and I always view the Torah when they're talking about, well, you're going to kick out all these nations in the promised land, the, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the, you know, those seven. To me... That's talking about our heart, that we're having to kick out different parts of our heart, and that he's not going to let us take all our heart at once or all the promised land at once because then you won't get rid of it completely. He wants you to address each one and address it fully, not just think you kicked their butt and have to come back and deal with it later, kind of like 
what they did with the one nation in the promised land as far as when, uh, when they conquered the land. Go to the next. You know, how can you clean a heart? How can a young man cleanse his way by taking heed according to your word? With my whole heart have I sought you. Whole heart. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. Your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. You know, the underlying tool is the word of God. It's always the word of God. I need to participate to alleviate these things in my heart. I have to take heed. I have to participate. I have to activate. Or as the movie said, you know, one... Activate now, you know, ready. Um, go to the next one. That they show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience bearing witness, and their thoughts alternately accusing or else defending them. That's what Paul wrote in Romans. What's interesting is they show the work of the law written in their hearts. Their conscience bearing witness. Your own conscience bears witness against you or for you. Alternately, and probably several times a day for most of us, know me, sometimes, oh, I got all kinds of good thoughts. I keep my eyes on good things, pure things. And then start dealing with other people, and then I'm like, you know? And then my conscience isn't very good. I'm not blessing my enemy. I'm, per, you know, accusing them. Romans 2, 15 and 16, which I think is the next slide. Or this is 15. And that's okay. You can leave it there. But, you know, it isn't the result that the laws are for. You know, it isn't our actions that God judges so much. He judges our hearts. It's just the actions are the end result. You know, it's like when Yeshua was saying about the ten words. What's the most important commandment of the law? Or, you know, when he's talking about, well, committing adultery is you just look at a woman or you just look at a man and you think lustful thoughts. Because that's starting in your heart. The action that results is just several steps later, but it's the end result. And, and inherent laws, whatever starts here, will end there. He's starting at the start. You know, he judges our hearts. He weighs it. And I think I have that slide later, but go to the Matthew 12. He says, O oh, generation of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. It's the abundance. Whatever is abundant in your heart is what's overflowing, over-rimming, over it's saturated. Whatever you saturate your heart with, that's what's going to flow out of your mouth. 
you know, you've been a Christian for 800 years. You know, everybody thinks you're Honest John or, you know, Sister Mary. She never does bad things. You know, and someone rolls a cart over her toe in the grocery store and she yells out a curse word. And you go, well, that's not Sister Mary. That's not Honest John. Well, what's, what's in their heart? They don't immediately think things. They're just all of a sudden, you know. It's like the comedian said in the accident. First you say it, and then you do it, you know, when you know you're going to hit a car. Um, it's whatever is abundantly in your heart comes out under stress. And I'm starting to believe more and more that most of the stressful events in our lives are just so the reaction can be gauged and you can see for yourself what's really in your heart, what's really happening in your life. You know, go to the next one. You guys will like the next one. You know, as a man thinks, so is he. Or as a woman thinks, so is she. You know, little little kitten thinks she's a lion. Or a little kid thinks he's a lion. You know, if a person is always negative, that's what he thinks in his heart. It's not in his mind. It's in his heart. It's in its heart and liver and all your innards. You know, you're not who you are by chance. It's whatever you abundantly are, that's who you are. You're not who you are by chance. You are a cultivation, an overbrimming, overflowing in your heart. In your heart is who you are, who you will be, or who you are becoming. It always starts here. It doesn't start anywhere else. So, <laughs> this is what's helped me in the past week, too, as I use this specifically, is we can't see each other's hearts. I can't see Earlene's heart. I can't see Mary Jane's heart. I can't see, you know, I can't see your heart. You know, but you can ask God, pierce the heart. Give me, reveal to me their heart. Reveal to me like x-ray vision, like Superman. Tell me what's in their hearts. Ask the God before you make a life choice what's in their hearts. Wow, they look so wonderful on the outside. But what's in their heart? Or like I, this week I had four people interviewing for a job in the w workplace I'm responsible for. And uh, they were all good candidates. And I asked, God, I can't, can't decide on these. I mean, give, I, reveal to me. I said this specific, I prayed this specifically saying, I don't know their hearts, tell me who they are. And it's kind of funny from a, it's not kind of funny, but um, 
from a couple different sources. All of a sudden, I had people telling me different things about different people. And, and it's helped. And then it's kind of funny that I had a fifth person show up as I was in the midst of that. And was even a better candidate than those four. But it's like, ask, reveal to me. You are, you're the one, Lord, that judges the hearts, that examines the hearts, that knows their hearts. Tell me what's in their hearts. You know, and then you, you get some response back. It's just, I don't know, I was blown away by that. I was absolutely blown away. Because I'm always thinking, okay, uh, yeah, you examine my heart. But how do I apply that to other people? How do I do that? Reveal to me, Lord, so I will know whether to proceed with this. It's the same thing about telling the younger generations before you make right decisions. Ask for help from the one who can give you help. You know, about those type of decisions. Go ahead to the next. A person may think their own ways are right, but the Lord weighs the heart. Puts it on a scale, weighs it, examines it. You know. Go ahead to the next one. I think I have that one. Oh, let the wickedness of the wicked come to an end. Psalm 7, verse 9. But establish the just. For the righteous God trieth the hearts and reigns. So this, again, gives me the idea that whatever's in your heart, he plays out in your situations, in your life. And he's trying the reins. He's trying your heart and trying the reins. Okay, is this what you do or is this what you do? Do I need to pull you more over here or do I need to pull you more over here to get you to see what you need to address? So, you know, the purpose of these laws, and these, <laughs> these are laws just as much as, you know, the ten words. But it makes, but it's, it, the purpose of the law is to judge and assess everybody fairly. Because he, as he tries the reins on each person, what their response is, then shows what's in their heart. And so they can either address it or not, and if they're not addressing it, if it's not a good response, if they're not going to God for an answer, why did I do that? Then they're, they can't, to me then it sets up that that's part of what the judgment's all about is looking at your life and all the responses you did you can't have an answer because God can say that's what was in your heart 
this situation was because of what was in your heart. I was just showing you what was in your heart. Um, go ahead. So wisdom rests in the heart of him that hath understanding. But that which is in the midst of fools is made known. So when you get understanding according to God's word, you get wisdom. You know, well, when I'm faced with this sort of situation, I may have responded poorly previously, but now I know that I'll respond better. I will bless those who persecute me. But that which is in the midst of fools, what's in the heart of fools, is made known. So, go ahead. You know, you can go to church all your life. You can feel justified that I followed all the rules according to what I know, but if you don't help those around you, if you're not giving fruit to those around you, are you really following all the law? It's where we really have to watch. Go ahead with the next. And I mean, um, a naughty person, a wicked man, walketh with a froward mouth. I'm using that word specifically, or this version specifically, because I want to go over froward. He winketh with his eyes, he speaketh with his feet, he teacheth with his fingers. Points at people as far as, I'll leave that one. But forward is in, is in his heart. He devises mischief continually. He soweth discord. Any person who sows discord amongst folks in your workplace, in your family, in your neighborhood relationships, we know those kind of people. And go to the next, there, and then their calamity is going to come on that person suddenly. And that's a law. But forward, to be forward, which is hard to say because it's an old English word, but forward, not forward, means to be habitually disposed to disobedience and opposition to someone or something like a law. Someone that is being forward is being willfully contrary to someone or something and is not easily managed. You know, similar words are crookedness, to go wrong, go crooked, backsliding, twisted, distorted, or crooked. They refuse to comply or yield to the laws. They're not, there's nothing. They oppose the laws. That's why it says, out of the heart comes the issue of life. Keep your heart with all diligence. It warns us, keep my heart with all diligence. Because I don't know, there may be something that comes into my heart. Starts messing with things. And next slide. You know, the heart is deceitful above all things. This is one of those alls that kind of bug me. So the heart is deceitful more than the adversary? That's what it reads here. 
The heart is deceitful above all things. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind to reward each person according to their conduct, according to what their deeds deserve. The Bible says that the average person, there's a war going on, especially the believer, to fight the deceitfulness in our hearts, to fight the wickedness in our hearts. It's still there until the day of redemption. It's constantly working at that, constantly purifying our heart. Go ahead. He that has a fraudulent heart finds no good, and he that has a perverse tongue falls into mischief. So the person that you can recognize people as you talk with them, that they have a heart because their language is such more than others. You know, it's just, you know, Father God, you know, I just want to pray that I bind every forward spirit in me or even anyone in this room that will come against them. Any forward spirit that will challenge your law, that will be disobedient to your rule. I just don't want that to affect me. In Jesus' name I pray. You know? Uh, go ahead. Take Can you see how to the, uh, the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks? And go ahead with the next. And put away from thee a forward mouth and perverse lips put far from thee. And go ahead. A sound heart is the life of the flesh. Again, that's another verse. It's the life of the flesh. A sound heart is the life of the flesh. But envy the rottenness of the bones. Go ahead. And then go, because I think I'm going to be done here. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. But uh, it's a tree of life within us. We get fulfilled. But when our hope is deferred, it makes the heart sick. Go ahead. Anxiety in the heart of man causes depression, but a good word makes it glad. Encouragement is so important, especially for us on today, to encourage each other to give us a good word so we can be glad the rest of the week. You know? We get enough discouragement from everybody else. You get enough discouragement from your friends, from your parents, from your children, from your everybody else, the people you work with. Encourage, encourage, encourage. Go ahead. Take them. Clean your heart. That's all I can say.
Thank you so much, Kent. Uh, I don't know about the rest of you, but I certainly have a lot that I took away from that. A lot of cleanup to do. Uh, so I guess we'll go ahead and close with a blessing, and then I think Lynn has another song for us to... Let's do a song and blessing. I like songs. I love that God works. I know I told you guys on the way up before we started worship today that I was a little cranky. My heart was not in a good place. <laughs> and uh, I was praying with Devor. Remember, God just put that scripture God is greater than our hearts. Amen. So it's from First uh, John uh, chapter 3. This is my little children, let us love not in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And by this we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. For if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. And beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence toward God and whatever we ask we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight and this is his commandment that we should believe on the name of his son Yeshua Mashiach and love one another as he gave this commandment so let's just take a couple minutes and bow our hearts before God and ask the Holy Spirit to humble us we can walk in obedience.
We'll go ahead and close with a blessing, and then if you all want, uh, please do join us for Oneg Downstairs. Yevarecha Adonai Vishmarecha Ya'er Adonai May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his shalom. B'shem Yeshua HaMashiach. Amen. Amen. Shavua Tov.